0: Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we are joined with, by Dr. Burrison. And welcome, Dr. Burrison. It's nice to have you here. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. So would you introduce us to
1: Dr. Burrison? Yeah, so I'm Associate Professor of Systematic Theology at Concordia Seminary here in St. Louis, uh, the seminary of which Chris is a student. And, uh, and I'm also working with Pastor Wright on his uh, STM thesis as well.
0: With excitement, at least on my side. Oh, definitely on my side, too. Well, today we have the joy of looking at the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. uh, We're closing to, we're coming to the end of the church year, and we'll switch gears for Advent, but we're still talking about Pentecost and the coming of all that is to take place. And today, we're going to look at St. Mark, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 3. And if you would like to hear all the readings, you can hear that on the reading podcast that was dropped previous to this. So, we're taking a turn Last Sunday was All Saints Day, and I think that's a really beautiful transition because we're really looking for things to come. We're recognizing the the departed. It also helped us remember that we belong to the Church Militant, and we are looking forward to the Church Triumphant, but we still have to go through things. We still have to get to the Church Triumphant, and St. Mark— really kind of lays this out, how and what can we do to prepare. So, we start off with Jesus, came out of the temple, and one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So right here, these two verses, I immediately think of Holy Cross. Holy Cross is a beautiful church. And to this day, I entering in, I see this beautiful church. It looks like a castle. And you can't help but get a little prideful in a good, exciting way. And I got to show Dr. Burrison around, and I get to show Holy Cross off. And I do this with excitement and I have no problem saying, look at this great building. And then you got Jesus coming up and saying, it's fine, but not any stone will be left on another. And I'm kind of curious, how does that make that disciple feel? You know, he's marveling at the, at the architecture and the beauty, and, and, you know, does he see a connection with the Messiah or uh, the rabbi, the teacher, Jesus, saying these amazing things in connection? And Jesus kind of just Pours cold water on this statement. I and it just struck me that Jesus is being serious, and, and he takes an interesting um, way to do that. Uh, Vicar, you got anything on that? Well,
2: it's a it's a pretty amazing claim because not only are they standing in front of this huge building, but just the beauty. The, the size of the stones that comprise this building, mm-hmm. they're massive. And so to look at this and say not one stone of this building will be left on top of another, it's amazing. Uh, like you said, there there are kind of a few different reactions that they might have had, and those are the things that we get to kind of wrestle with and explore. Um, did, they, did they fully understand what Jesus was saying? We don't really have a good track record of the disciples' getting what Jesus is laying down in the Gospel of Mark. So, there's a lot of stuff to wrestle with here.
0: Well, and to go with that, uh, moving into the the next verses, and he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple. Peter, James, John, Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will be. And now, before we are recording, Dr. Burrison made a a very good point. How did they say this? Because was this with anticipation Tell us, this is amazing information, or was this, okay, this is interesting. Tell us more. And I, I think that that's that's an interesting aspect to take it because um, once again, I want to make the disciples dumb, stupid, It always makes me look better. Um, you know, I, I think I don't think they were that oblivious, and I don't know how how to take that Tell us. Do, do you have anything to add to that, Doctor Burson?
1: Well, and I think there was pro- there are probably different kinds of reactions. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you got four individuals here that he's speaking to, and of course you got the rest of the the other eight as well. Um, I think they all would have had pre- probably different reactions to 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 what he said. You know, as for some of them, it might have been frightening. Um, uh, because wow, this is somebody. I mean, just destroy this, you, you, as you said, Vicar. This this huge temple, um, you know, and and it wasn't even on the scale of Solomon's temple. So, yeah. uh, you know, but it still was magnificent. Um, so, some of them probably would have been scared. Some of them would have been, oh, great, this is somebody coming who's gonna. He finally, he's get, he's getting to the heart of the message. You know, he's gonna he's gonna actually be a powerful Messiah, restore the kingdom of Israel, uh, conquer these foreigners. You know, all that kind of stuff. Get rid of this um, temple that yeah, was well, built by Herod. We're <laughs> going to build a new one. We're going to build the right one, the one by Solomon. You know, we're going to get oh, back yeah. to the original one. You know, uh, this one, yeah, this Herod one's inadequate. Yeah, you know, and then others could have been just confused. You know, be, I mean, which is often the case in the Gospel of Mark. The disciples are just sort of confused. You know, so it's interesting to me that we don't have any reactions from them. That may be betray from Mark. The fact that um, that they were just—some of them were at least confused. They just didn't know what to make make of all this that Jesus was saying. And I think part of the reason is, you know, that they still couldn't clearly see that at the center of what he was saying was himself.
0: Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that because as we continue in this text, the one speaking is going to fulfill all of this. And, and it's a good question. Tell us more. How? When? But then what's the motivation behind these questions? And, and it goes to, to response. Um, are they looking for an earthly Messiah? Finally, the king is coming, and we get to co-rule, and we're to finally show these Romans who's boss?
2: Well, and to that point, uh, it's interesting. It just struck me, looking at this again, that James and John are yes. part of these four. Uh, yeah. So, we're, we're coming off of earlier in Mark, yes, Lord. Can we sit at your right and left hand okay. in your glory? So,
0: or, or better yet, do you want us to bring thunder and brimstone upon oh, yeah. these? So, uh, just another thing to keep in mind as you explore yeah. this text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. I, I don't know anything, but Andrew is a part of this group, too, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's neat. I want Thomas to be a part. I think oh, Thomas yeah. always asks the really good questions, yeah. um, but who knows? Uh, and I also really appreciate um, Jesus doesn't take the bait on this either, and, and he honestly and genuinely teaches the things of the gospel and the things of himself. Let see that no one leads you astray. That is so different than, Jesus, do we need to pack our bags? Do I need to make plans? What's happening? Let no one lead you astray. Uh, When you hear of, or many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of war, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famine. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. That is so unhelpful. When has there not been a time of war? When has there not been earthquakes? When has there not been any of this? And I think that is even bigger. And it makes Jesus' statements all that much more serious. And we, I mean, obviously we should take God at his word, but this is a promise. And the one who's going to fulfill it is, and again, in my mind's eye, I always hear Jesus nicely speaking. And not talking slow like like we're, we're slow and dumb, but he's over annunciating. I'm being serious, and I'm again. I still think the disciples are like, okay.
2: Well, I like how you put it. Uh, he doesn't take the bait because they're they're asking for, what's the timeline here? Yeah. What are we looking at, Jesus? How much time do we have left? What are we doing? And um, he, he just says. You're not going to be able to tell. <laughs> All these things that already take place, that they're going to continue to take place, and they'll continue to take place after that. And it really gets to the point that no one knows the time or the hour that these things will take place.
0: No, I, I appreciate that. I, uh, Dr. Michael Mindendorf, oh, yeah. he, he's my, he was my uh, Greek professor at uh, Concordia Austin, also my New Testament Professor. And of course, when we were talking about the end times, somebody always raises their hand. Uh, do you know when the end is coming? And he said, I do have an answer. And of course, everybody perks up. And he goes, It's five minutes closer than it was five minutes ago. <laughs> and I thought that was great. We don't know. And we have the promise of Jesus, it's coming. And this is what's going to happen.
2: And that's kind of, a, I think at St. Paul, salvation is nearer now yeah. than than when we first believed. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's this idea
0: that you don't know, right. but you better be ready. Well, and, and Jesus picks up on this. Uh, verse 9, Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And before we go too far into that, just that first statement, be on your guard. I really appreciate this, because this brings urgency. Mm -hmm. And um, I have no problem saying, I want Christ to return now. I love our table prayer, come Lord Jesus, because that that is so much bigger than just here and now. It is come in the fullness of the second coming. Mm -hmm. And I remember explaining this to my daughters, do you know what we're praying for? And then they kind of got a little nervous because we want Jesus to come. But how frivolously do we pray this or how frivolously do we make these statements? Do we really want Jesus to come? And and I I think that's just an interesting struggle that we deal with, and especially with the whole idea. He hasn't shown up in 2,000 years. Why do we expect him to come now the odds
2: are in our favor. <laughs> that it's, he's not going to be coming right, yep. so I still have time. Yep. According to my watch, I, I don't have to get serious about my faith yet. I don't really have to dig into this because I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm good. It's yeah. 2021. It's been a
1: while. Come on, yeah. what are the odds, right?
0: Well, and, when yeah,
1: you you had a baker. You had a passage when we were talking earlier that that parallels this. You know the 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 virgins having their Jesus says have your lamps burning. Mm-hmm. You know you, this is this as you said this is the situation. The situation applies. Um, you know after my death and resurrection, wars, rumors of wars. It's just a situation for everybody, right? You know Paul, the apostles, um, you know Luther, mm-hmm. in our own day, and so Jesus' message is that much more um, poignant in that sense. I mean, throughout all these experiences. That, that have been going on. Um, have your lamp burning. Be, re- be ready. Be on your guard. Be prepared. You know, this is important to do.
0: And, and I appreciate that, because um, especially in the church, where's our urgency? And, and this is one of the struggles from a, you know, a pastor's perspective, coming to church and doing the same thing, preaching over the same text, doing it again and again, where it becomes routine, where it becomes just the thing we're doing. And, and where has the why has the church lost its urgency cuz and this has been the case since the church has been around we talk a good game we're really great on sunday sunday afternoon we return to the world and we're back into the mundane things until we come back and oh yes i'm ready during this time if you come during this time i'm great <laughs> but you know and I just find that interesting. And I don't want to just say that um, it's human nature. It is human nature. But when did we lose our urgency? So, you know, because again, you got St. Paul, you know, he's great at this. And, and there's a few pastors and preachers who are great at this, but it's just a few. And, you know, I'll throw myself under the bus. It's so easy just to preach. Sounds horrible. Just to preach the text for the context of this Sunday for that moment. Where's the bigness of all this? And I think it goes back to, to something you were saying, Vicar, just the idea of the, the power of God right before us. And where do we and what do we do with it? We want to use it for ourselves. Um, you know, we're the disciples. Hey, that's our guy. He's going to, to destroy everybody, and we get to be a part of it. Uh, we, we lose who Jesus is. And uh, I, I lament, and it's not to throw anybody under the bus. It's the the situation of the church since the church has been
1: around I do think in that regard though we can there are certain things we can do so you mentioned the uh the the common table prayer come lord Jesus which begins with that new testament word maranatha come mm-hmm. um i think that was i think that's one of the ways which in which we can as christians more regularly pray that prayer it's a very brief prayer mm-hmm. maranatha come lord jesus you know, um, I mean, it's about as simple as a prayer, of a prayer as you can get. But if we say that, you know, in our mind, in our hearts, even out loud uh, throughout the day, then that starts to give shape to a, this part of being on guard. Mm-hmm. starts to give shape to an, an understanding that Jesus is coming and I'm praying for him to come. So, I'm expecting, it's building that expectation into my daily life so that I can see in the mundane activities of life, the realities of life that God has given us, responsibilities, I can see Christ at the center because I'm calling for Him to come and reclaim it, you know, in a sense, uh, renew it, uh, recreate it, all that kind of thing. So, I think there are things we can do, uh, you know, giving attention when we pray, Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, um, that, uh, that, Every mealtime, in a sense, is a looking forward to the eschatological meal, the meal when Christ comes back, the meal that he Mm -hmm. is going to prepare for an eternity. You know, so there are various things that we can do that can sort of heighten our our attention to uh, his coming. Oh, absolutely. Do you have something, Vicar?
2: No, I'm not going to follow that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well— On that line of thinking, uh, and Jesus opens this up too, Um, we're jumping into verse 10, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And I love this. That's the work of the church. Live out your faith, let others see Christ in you, um, but then, you know, also hear the gospel. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious before uh, before beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. I love this text because it's so misused. Um, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say because the Holy Spirit will give me the words. We don't suddenly become Pentecostal and ha- or in a trance and then, you know, the Holy Spirit overtakes us and gives us what we're to say, before we were recording, Dr. Burson said something that, that was—you overstated the obvious, and I loved it. What, ha, what was given to us in our baptism? The Holy Spirit. What do we hear in church? The gospel. And then if we are brought before councils in persecution, we have the gift of everything we've heard. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit already given— and that is, what is, that is what we get to speak, what we already live in. And, and when you said that, again, it was like, oh, yeah. And again, overstating the obvious. And sometimes it's that really nice reminder instead of, I really hope the Holy Spirit comes through on this.
2: But it, it's that you have to live in it. Yeah. Uh, it's not, I'm going to sit back, watch TV and when the time comes, the Holy Spirit will show up. It's, you're living in the Word. Um, this is kind of specific to preachers, but there's that old joke about the pastor who didn't do any sermon prep all week. He just walked in the pulpit and said that the Holy Spirit is going to tell him what to say. And then he stood in the pulpit, nothing, silence. <laughs> and he said the Holy Spirit hasn't said anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's this idea that you're you're not uh, free to just rely on the Spirit. You have to do things to nourish your faith, to prepare in that story, prepare for the sermon. You have to put in the work to be in the Word, so you are on guard, living out your faith, living in the Word, Mm -hmm. so it almost just flows naturally. I mean, we all know the people... The great faithful people in the church who can just—they always have the scripture verse to quote right. to fit whatever situation. That's not by happenstance. Yeah, they live in the word, and the word flows out from them. And that's uh, th- that's kind of what we're talking about here.
0: Well, and going back to Dr. Burson's point, you know, the, the come Lord Jesus. When this becomes habit and ritual in and in understanding, and not just the thing I say you're living in this Word, you're living in that faith, you're living in that prayer. And I I think it's amazing, and it's hard. Uh, There's no two ways about it, because how nice would it be the Holy Spirit will just speak? And that's what we would get. Uh, (laughs) And and we're not
2: limiting the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not diminishing that or downplaying that at all. But it doesn't abdicate us uh, of the responsibility— to be in the Word,
0: the the participation of the work that has been given to us and the life that we get to live in in Christ, especially as He comes to fulfill this, uh, there's a lot we get to do, even though it's already been done for us. And I, I really like that because now it's not dependent upon us, mm. and, and we get to live in it. And because uh, I even I even quoted you on my paper, live in the Word, <laughs> and I, I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: part of part of living causes me to think of you yeah, know the reality that the Holy Spirit comes through means, yes, mm-hmm. you know, and part of that, uh, part of that means is the, is uh, the word spoken mm-hmm. uh, and proclaimed and heard sermons and conversations, Christians, and one another, the reading of the word and divine service, et cetera. But also if you think about the early church and Luther, um, you know, even through the, into the medieval and reformation periods, memorizing the word. Yeah. Eating the word—that's that's what memorization is, you know. Making the word part of you, um, and that's a means as well, um, you know, because you're meditating on it so, to the point that it just becomes part of your own being. Um, and and the early church fathers, you know, and Luther certainly had uh, had scripture internalized yeah. in that way. And so that's that's a that's a really helpful way to be on guard, you know.
0: So. Well, the persecution continues in the, the text, and brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. but the one who endures to the end will be saved. One of the things that I, I harp on uh, often is... Um, Uh, I like to pick on the prosperity gospel preachers. If you believe in Jesus, then you have all this and so on and so forth. Nowhere can you find this in Scripture, and not just to, to poke at it, but you have Jesus' word, for my name's sake, all this bad stuff's going to happen. Uh, Vicar, you, I, I don't know, it was earlier conversation, but uh, the whole uh, Jesus promising, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to but bring a sword. The sword. Mm-hmm. He's very clear about yeah. what's going to happen if you
2: follow him, preach him to the world. Uh, it's not going to be accepted by everyone. I mean, even brother against brother. So we have here, uh, there is a price that comes to following Jesus. And, and it's almost like you go into this walk uh, this this following Jesus, eyes wide open. Yeah. This is what will happen if you follow me. Uh, but with that, uh, with the persecutions come, obviously, things to hold on to and to look forward to as well.
0: And then that, that last statement, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's not a comforting statement and a fully comforting statement all at the same time. So, the the reason it's not comforting is... Who can endure all of this? I don't have any brothers, so I'm not worried about my brother coming to get me. <laughs> my parents are still alive and well. Are they going to, you know, turn against me? Do I have to fight my parents? Who, you know, is it, you know, the the horrible um, uh, Highlander? Um, there can only be one, you know. Who, who's this last one? Who's the last man standing? And is really that simplistic. And, of course, we're going to say no. Who's the one who endures forever? Till the end, it's the only one who can endure, and he did it for you, and that's Christ our Lord. And I really appreciate this, because Jesus doesn't explain it. As he stands there, the one who endures will be saved for you. And that's just so huge, and the comfort of that, because this is a scary text. If we take it seriously, as we should— but we have the peace of knowing, whatever may come, I have the one who has stood against this. And so, it's interesting as we continue to to get to the close of the church here. Vicar, you got any concluding thoughts?
2: No, I think we did a nice job um, covering what could be a rather dark text, uh, but taken in light of who is speaking here, um, knowing the person and work of Jesus. Uh, we get to look at that in its full context, um, with, with a hope in mind.
1: Dr. Burson, any closing comments? Yeah. Christ is the, Christ ultimately is the one who, um, who is the one who crossed the, the channel of death, um, and came out on the other side alive. And so any of these things that were, that he's talking about in these texts, ultimately, um, Christ is the answer for these things. So we can we can live in hope
0: okay. you know, in Christ. Dr. Burson, thank you for joining us. And God's peace be with you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable. And of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.